Hello and welcome to the Forms of Care Project podcast series. My name is Amy Thomas. We will be digging into ideas around medical treatment at the end of life and talking to a team of medical anthropologists who have been researching this area. The project is a collaboration between the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine and the Open University, funded by the Economic and Social Research Council. In this episode, we will be covering what's known as the curative imperative in biomedicine, questioning what's considered active and inactive treatment and how palliative care relates to all of this. I'm Simon Cohn. I'm based at London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, and I've been researching and interested in what we call medical anthropology for many years now, looking at a whole range of different conditions and different situations where the role of anthropology really can provide perhaps different insight into classic issues around health and illness. I'm Erica Borgström. I am a lecturer in medical anthropology and end-of-life care at the Open University, and I have been researching palliative and end-of-life care for the last 10 years. My name is Annelieke Driesen. I'm an assistant professor at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. I've been interested in issues to do with health and illness, particularly dementia and end-of-life care. And in this project, I've been the ethnographer who's been doing most of the ethnography with the palliative care teams. A lot of cultural life uh, is built upon pairings and oppositions at a kind of conceptual level that people in their everyday lives don't necessarily realise, but have huge consequences on how things get ordered and how things get classified and understood. Simon describes that under the surface, we often think of things in a dualistic way, as in one thing opposes another. The history of biomedicine often really emerged out of the idea that diseases were things and that the role of biomedicine was to do something with those things. But from that comes the idea that biomedicine needs to act on diseases and its aim, ideally, is to cure someone of those diseases. Palliative care, perhaps, whether deliberately or by a whole range of different circumstances, found itself on the other side of that equation, that it wasn't part of the biomedical imperative to cure And therefore, where does it stand, really, in terms of this classification system? And this was also apparent when speaking to the teams. One palliative care consultant said that some specialties operated under a fantasy that curing disease also cures suffering. That view within the healthcare system for some specialties of that siloing of curative imperative uh, means that palliative care might be viewed not as a specialty, or if it is viewed as a specialty that deals with suffering, for example, it's only dealing with the soft stuff rather than the hard stuff of curing. And that, that there's a sense that um, there's a separation of being able to do things to the body and being able to actually care for people that was being felt by the palliative care teams we were talking with. When I hear nothing more can be done, I feel it may. I I feel quite disappointed. This is Claire Henry. Claire is a nurse and has been working in palliative care for over twenty five years. Because I think that actually that makes our job in palliative care even harder. Because people then go, oh, well, there's no point in seeing palliative care if they can't do anything or there's nothing else to be done. Um, and actually, it's not about nothing else to be done. It's actually that the treat that it's changing its focus, that it's not about curative, it's about 
palliative and keeping people symptom free, comfortable, and it is treating people in a different way. So I think it's it's really difficult. And also, I think it's thinking like when we're talking about interventions or medicines, it's actually saying, okay, what is this medicine going to help you with the maybe the drug better on, or actually is there something better that's going to make you feel even better? This story isn't necessarily a direct one of criticism, right? It just, you know, the fact that um, biomedicine is built upon this curative imperative has had extraordinary kind of uh, and very creative and productive outcomes, right? Think about the advances that it's led to. It's like the engine, really, in the sense of a lot of biomedical research and biomedical work. But it's rather that the, the, what we're interested in is what's the consequence for things that fall outside on the other side of that, that line. One of the nurses told me that, you know, they sometimes talked about the grim reapers, the, the people who, who attend to the, the dying and these people who kind of fall out of this possibility of being cured. And therefore, almost like death is almost as seen as a failure for biomedicine because it can't, um, can't, can't cure that. If you don't talk about the care that's available to them, if they don't choose treatment, then it stands as, you know, either I treat you or you're definitely going to die. Well, what would it mean to stop treatment? Uh, how can you be part of um, part of this decision? But also, what would it mean not to have treatment? Would you be able to be at home? And rather than to just leave it, you know, as this, you're definitely going to die if we don't do something. And this is where this doing nothing it comes out. So I think to me that summarizes palliative care almost as this imaginative practice of what may life. Uh, which death is inevitably part of, uh, look like if if uh, treatment isn't an option anymore. In its founding uh, days, palliative care was trying to be slightly different to other parts of the health system. And now when it's, you know, institutionally embedded back into the, the healthcare system, tensions arise, right? Because the philosophy of care was set up to be slightly different than other elements of the healthcare system. We sit outside a little bit, but we want to be in as well. Claire describes the tensions that can arise in palliative care, but how this shifted quite dramatically during the COVID-19 pandemic. The palliative care team, for the first time ever, was seen as a core member of the team. We were seen as one of those emergency teams that we were dealing with so much uncertainty because of the way that people were presenting and obviously the way that the disease trajectory was we were in a lot of that uncertainty space. So we were actually providing advice on symptom management, but providing huge amounts of support for staff, because obviously we need to minimise the number of contacts with the patient. The teams are really invested in undoing their attention, in sharing their knowledge and expertise with other disciplines in their hope that, you know, end of life care will ultimately be part of medical practice. And so that um, this imperative to treat will sort of not disappear but have sort of a, a counterpart in which it is okay to embrace death as a as a part of life in order to make it better somehow there's this like kind of curious alignment between the way in which things like palliative care which itself uses language around this you know the term that it has a holistic approach and by that it means it's multidisciplinary it doesn't just look at the kind of physiological and the biological, but it also looks at the psychological and the emotional and very much the social dimensions and context of people who might be approaching the end of their life. But actually by doing that, in a sense, it sort of finds itself on that side of the equation. And in contrast to 
you know, the very kind of active, if not aggressive forms of biomedicine that can use lots of very, you know, high technology forms and tests uh, that really penetrate the idea that there's a particular disease, uh, there's a very, very specific body of expert knowledge that's necessary to understand it. It's a sort of another dimension. It's not that it's, it's the way in which the nothing, is, which is not our phrase, but it's their phrase, but that gets sort of also aligned with the idea of a holistic approach. And it's just a curiosity, I think, for us. It's about looking at the whole person. That includes the family and all those important to them and looking at how you can support and enable them to live the life that they want to for the time they have left. It's enabling people to really find out what matters to them and spend that time really, really supporting them. Because I think that a lot of people don't always understand what palliative care is. The old saying that everybody says, oh, there's nothing else we can do. Oh, we'll call the palliative care team in, which is really challenging. Because you think about being a patient on the end of that, that's really difficult because you feel you've been written off. We often forget about some of the spiritual needs that people need to think of, making sense of their lives. Those conversations, talking to people about death and dying, holding space for them is, is really hard. And that it's not helpful necessarily to think about curing as the hard skill and communication as soft, but actually that actually a lot of it is altogether very difficult because you're carrying people through a very difficult time of their lives. Family members and patients themselves, you know, say that they've they want to have tried everything because otherwise they too feel like they failed. And everything in that sense means trying all the available treatment options as as a sign of love, really. I mean, often what I got from family members is is that they're just giving up was just saying, you know, I uh, I have I, I don't care enough. So choosing treatment is is holding on to last hope is is really a, a positive thing to do and one thing the team has realized is that this opposition can be constraining in the way that we think about actions in a hospital or a community that then creates lots of painful realities that we've also been seeing patients who wanted to die at home but are treated until the very end in hospital or uh, family members who who didn't come to terms really with the fact or the possibility that their loved one might die. And, you know, all these really, really harsh and difficult realities. You know, you often still see in patients' healthcare notes, you know, management plans that will say things like, just for palliative care. Meet Sarah, a palliative care consultant who talks through some of the difficulties that arise with the language used around palliative care just for comfort care even um, and you know just the very well the very use of the word just when it's written down in somebody's notes it can be quite striking you know there was a phase of people talking about ceilings of treatment you know so is what we're doing not treatment I would argue it is treatment but it's not disease modifying treatment necessarily it's its purpose is no longer to try and cure, control or reverse the disease in most cases. What we don't want is nothing to be a sort of passive thing that happens because nobody is being active about anything um, and an unthinking thing. Um, what we want are, are conscious thought through decisions that have some kind of justifiable logic behind them. 
I think sometimes it may be not as valued as it could be, because I think especially when you're in, say, some of the big teaching hospitals, it's very much about technology and saving lives and all these new techniques that can come in. And um, sometimes I think palliative care can be seen and it isn't soft and fluffy, um, which I don't. I mean, I I said to somebody once, I said, well, you know, because they kept saying to me, oh, you're soft and fluffy. I said, there's nothing soft and fluffy about death. That actually made them stand back and think. So one could sometimes argue that just making it clear that the opposition exists, that this this pairing exists, itself might have value, actually. So as as an anthropologist, I think that's what we're arguing, is that making these things visible at least goes some way towards thinking about what alternatives there might be. One of the interesting ways that we can sort of see how they subvert that opposition is, is how they kind of talk about what they do and, and borrow the language of sometimes borrow medicine and curative treatment to talk about things being a treatment rather than just care or things being an intervention rather than care to try to give value and strength and power to the actions that they're doing um, as part of their services and to sort of legitimize it within the biomedical system, which they are very much you know, also part of in terms of their everyday working. There's always a danger, of course, of perpetuating what we talked about as this kind of opposition at a cultural logic level uh, by simply kind of uh, adopting it and, and reclaiming, in a sense, one side rather than another. But the subversive power of palliative care is the movement, uh, the subtle sensing of what's appropriate in a particular uh, context. But it's the constant movement that I think that is potentially subversive to the process rather than simply flipping it over and saying, all of a sudden palliative care is actually all about action, just like any other form of medicine. What they do is part of caring for patients in a wider spectrum of what is actually going on in the healthcare system and not just about focusing on curing a disease, but that curing a disease is part of uh, caring for someone and caring for suffering, which is part of what palliative care sees their job to be. If you would like more information about the Forms of Care project, please visit www.lshtm.ac.uk forward slash forms of care. Thank you for listening and head to the website for more episodes.